I'm not going to let other people's small mindedness or, or inability to grasp certain concepts to hinder who I actually am. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. It is so great to have you here. A welcome to your weekly dose of both business savvy and emotional intelligence. I help you master your mindset, dominate your fears, unleash your amazing, and live your most effective self. And at the end of every interview, I tend to pull out an element of the topic we're discussing and unpack it from kind of my own experience and perspective. So while the interview may be over, the discoveries will challenge you in some way to think deeper or to take action. So I invite you to stick around after the interview. And have I mentioned how excited I am for you to be here? I, you know, the last couple of weeks in our country here in the United States, it's been really sad and challenging to say the least. Racial divides, uh, police authority, and everyone's rights across the board have been a flurry of opinion and emotion and pain. And I recorded this interview uh, with our guest uh, this week, and I had other materials scheduled to be released. However, I felt, given the climate of our nation, I wanted to backlog those things and push them back and instead bring this one up to the front. And again, I know this is an American uh, situation, so I'll explain more in a few moments, Uh, but I wanted to explore this topic together. My family is a mixture of Haitian, uh, the country of Haiti next to the Dominican Republic, also Filipino and Spanish Latino, and European Caucasian. So race is a topic that's very close to us. My family and I, we're an interracial couple, and we pay attention to these issues. And as such, today's interview starts off discussing some of my guest's background and experience and his successful trajectory of leadership. However, we turn his knowledge towards this more sensitive uh, element of his story and that is his race. His profound words um, and expression, I believe, are really powerful, and I even found myself getting emotional. So today, I want to share that with you. Um, Again, knowing that this is an American issue, if you jump on CNN.com or any other website, you'll learn about um, some exchange of where one young black man um, was trying to reach for his wallet, had announced that he had a concealed weapon. And while he was reaching for his wallet, the officer, I'm sure in a, in a ball of emotion, um, fired off rounds and, and unfortunately killed the young man. In another story, uh, an angry uh, young black man uh, took out his 
um, frustration in a very um, volatile way in which he shot um, a number of police um, and it's it just tragedy across the board and if you want to learn more again you can you can google that the point today is that we're talking with someone who gives some really great uh, perspective and so that's what we're going to share about today the, the the guest he's the host of live the goals podcast and he graduated magna cum laude uh, with an engineering degree and while he was attending that university he was recognized in an article of U.S. Black Engineer Magazine, and additionally, he was a charter member and vice president of Morgan State University's uh, Tau Beta Pi Engineering Honor Society. He served as the national finance chair for the National Society of Black Engineers. He's a president of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineering and was selected to represent Morgan State University at the Maryland State Legislature. Then he went off to University of Virginia School of Law and became an attorney. He served as the president of the Black Law Students Association at the school and, and, and acquired a whole lot more accolades. And if that wasn't enough, he then in became a John Maxwell team certified speaker, trainer, and coach. He's super smart and he's super real. So I'm excited for you to meet Dale Richardson and dive into this conversation with us. Again, we'll start off talking about some of his, um, his life story, and then we'll really dive into some of the sensitive, uh, meaty parts of this conversation. So let's jump into this interview right now. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. This is Angus Nelson, your host. I'm here today with Dale Richardson. Dale, how in the world are you? I'm doing fantastic, Angus. Thank you for having me. Well, I am happy to have you. So I want to ask you, first and foremost, what made you laugh the hardest this past week? Oh, man, you are putting my question back at me, huh? I, I often ask people this question, what made them laugh recently? And so it's been a bunch of different things. Let's see. I'm, I'll try not to talk about uh, the memes because... The, they're kind of harder to explain for people to be able to see. But but what actually made me laugh the most this week was I was talking about my podcast episodes and, and the word of the days. And I was talking to my girlfriend about the word of the days. <laughs> and and she had never done this before, but but she started to imitate me. And it, it really did make me laugh. <laughs> A little bit of mockery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I, I've, I've noticed that I say uh, you'll you see in in the middle of my words word of the days a lot, right. and I was talking about it, and she just kind of busted out with you see something, <laughs> <laughs> nice, and it, and it completely just kind of made me stop and crack up. <laughs> yeah, so whenever I do my my wife's voice, and I'm trying to like you know be a little smart aleck to her. Um, somehow my voice turns into uh, Eric Cartman from uh, uh, South Park <laughs> and she hates it. And she says, I do not sound like that. <laughs> Respect my authority. <laughs> Respect my authority. <laughs> See? See? Oh, man. Uh, so I want to, I, 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 I'm so excited to bring you on to the show today because, um, you know, you obviously have had a, a really interesting background uh, you're an attorney in Atlanta, Georgia. You um, are certified with the Jan John Maxwell team as a speaker, your trainer, your coach. 
you love leadership and you have your own podcast called Live the Goals. So you've got all these great things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to kind of unpack a lot of that stuff as we go. But in particular, I want to start off with this whole concept of leadership. Because I've seen your, uh, I did my homework, uh-huh. and you had some pretty interesting ranks in college and uh, beyond where you've, were, uh, were you magna, you were magna cum laude, uh, and then you were, was it one of the, I don't know if it was a frat or something like that, you were ahead of that, NAACP, you worked with them, like all these different things because right. you're kind of a performer, like mm-hmm. you are a high achiever. Is that something that came natural to you, or is that something that was ingrained in you, or where you just had incredible parents? <laughs> I, I think it's it's a combination of all of that, right? Now, I, I truly believe that great leadership can be learned over time, and I won't doubt, and you know, I'm not going to discount the fact that some people do have true leadership skills within them, but but there are some leaders that are grown as well, and so over time, I've learned quite a few leadership skills. Over the course of time, I can go all the way back to middle school and kind of recount different things I started learning about leadership. And, and some of it was was parenting. Some of it was trial and error in the different leadership positions that I was in. And, and so I think it's a combination of those different things. I'm, I'm lucky to have the parents that I had and I'm lucky to have learned a lot through those experiences uh, in leadership positions, big and small. Can you get more specific? Like what is something that perhaps your mom or dad like? did to either exemplify or train you? Yeah. So, so one of the, the big things I think that I've pointed back to with, with my mother, and I've joked about this some too, is that, you know, my mother's Korean, she's not from this country originally. And so she, she's really, I'd say strict when I was young Mm -hmm. about making sure that I understood the importance of education and what it could do. And and, and making sure that I focused on my education first. And so that was kind of step number one, understanding that there, that there were different priorities and what I wanted to do right this second may not be what's most important long run. So that's one. Secondly, my father just had the biggest heart for service. Mm-hmm. I mean, my father was very active in the neighborhood, very active at church, and it wasn't necessarily um, it wasn't necessarily that he had specific roles. He did have some organizational leadership roles, but but just in the neighborhood, you could see the leadership role he took. And mm-hmm. I think that started to ingrain in me, hey, you you can influence people and you can be a leader regardless of whether you have a leadership title. And, and you take those things and kind of add that into my personality. I've always had this type of Hey, let's all get together. Let's do let let's do X, Y, and Z. So, so I've always had some level of leadership skill. Um, you know, if you're an outgoing type of person, I think you, maybe some of that gets in there because you because you want to get people together. And so, you take those different aspects and put them together. I think that's what that's what led me to um, growing my leadership skill. That's what led me to running for different positions in school. Right, mm-hmm. wanting to help people wanting to, to lead this organization, wanting to bring people together and seeing, again, those different things. My mom in, ingraining in me that, hey, you got to do the work. Mm-hmm. And my, my father kind of ingraining in me that you, you, can, you can serve people no matter who you are and where you are. And did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest. I like to say that, 
that I'm the youngest. Um, people use other terms for the youngest child. <laughs> but I, I have three older brothers. Yeah. Mm, baby Dale. That's oh, awesome. man. Yeah. I, the youngest. <laughs> so, I'm okay with it now. Yes, so I'm the baby. I'm the oldest, um, and I have a younger brother, but I can't call him my little brother because he's six foot eight. And oh, I'm, my goodness. And I'm only like six foot six. I'm just shy of six foot one. So, like, yeah. I lost some inches in the womb. I left him there. And I'm a twin. <laughs> and so I think between the two of us, we both left some inches on the table. And, and yeah. my little brother picked him up. Um, so, okay. So, the baby Dale, he has uh, got three older brothers. Mm-hmm. Were they uh, part of the leadership training or was it a competition? Because I know what brothers are like. Like, what was that kind of for you? Yeah, so we got different phases in there. My brothers are actually significantly older than me. So the youngest older brother that I have is nine years older than me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then they're two years apart. And so so I kind of had like the the brother slash extra fathers going (laughs) on. When we were when we were really young, they were absolutely bigger brothers. And, you know, I wanted to I was the pest baby brother. Right. And so I wanted to be like them. I wanted to go everywhere they went. I kind of cringe in horror now thinking about the places that my mom made them take me as teenagers that I would never have wanted to do. If I were in their shoes, like my mom would make me take would make them take me to the beach. I mean, imagine being a teenager <laughs> going to the beach with your high school friends and you've got your baby brother. Right, with you. Right. Um, and, and so we've got that phase. And then we've got the phase where they where they kind of stepped into way older brother mode when they got a little older. So, so what I'll say regarding leadership is that. Um, I, I did pick up some leadership skills from my brothers and one in particular I basically kind of like call him my coach. We were all wrestlers. Hmm. And one of my brothers, um, essentially, <laughs> regardless of when I had practice, I mean, I would have to come home and have practice with him and, and repetition with him. And, and, and seeing him kind of lead me down that path, you know, again, was kind of that, that subconscious ingraining into my mind that, hey, you can influence people and you can have a bigger impact on them than they realized, because I realized the impact it was having on me. I realized how much better I was becoming than those around me. And and because I wanted to be like big brothers, I would go to their wrestling practice. And so I was a lot more advanced than the kids that I was around. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, again, it wasn't like this direct leadership lesson, but but it was little things that I picked up on 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 seeing the way my brothers even handled taking taking me out and about and the way they, you know, would manage their friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kind of lead their friends in their, in their experience with, with dealing with me. And so again, kind of subconscious things I picked up looking at big brother being the b- bratty little brother. Right. And then when you went off to college, um, you have an engineering degree. Yes. So that's not an easy degree. Did you have, um, a, a pressure from your brothers that said, hey, if you want to make good money, you got to do this thing? Or was it just a a unique interest? Or how did you arrive at engineering? Because that's not where you ended up, but we're we're not going there just quite yet. Yeah. So so pretty interesting. I was always a very talkative child. And so I got what you might expect a talkative child would get. I got a bunch of people telling me, maybe you should be a lawyer, right? And, and so, I by the way, t- talkative engineers are a rare breed. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so I was, I'm an oddity. <laughs> so, so I was always talkative. So I got that a lot. And, and, and 
I actually did want to be a lawyer at a young age. Um, my mom, a, a year or two ago, brought this little thing that I drew in in preschool, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it says, like, I want to be, I'm sure someone helped me write it, but it said judge. I ha- like, I don't even remember this thing. Yeah. But uh, so, so I, I wanted to be a lawyer I, far back as I could remember. In my junior year in high school, I had a chance meeting with an attorney. I didn't know a lot of attorneys growing up. Uh, my brother was a mechanic and he had a shop and happened to be fixing this attorney's car. I was in the car with him and he asked me all my favorite subjects. They were all math and science subjects. And then he asked me what I'm going to school with for. And I say pre-law. <laughs> and yeah. he says, no, 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 no. Look, you can go to college for whatever major you want to go to and still go to law school. Everything you've just named to me were math and science related um, classes. Why don't you look at some math and science related majors and, and maybe see if you want to do that undergrad and then go to law school. And so because of that, I started exploring at that time. And at, at that time, it was in the early 90s. There was a strong push to get more minority students into engineering. Mm. And so that was an obvious place that I would look because I had a lot of people exposure to engineering. And, and I looked there. I ended up liking it. I, I can't believe that I thought this as a teenager. But I said to myself, Hey, if I don't want to be a lawyer when I graduate from school, I can actually get a job as an engineer and not have to go to grad school. And so that became my quote unquote backup plan Um, Mm. and ended up loving it, actually ended up loving engineering, but still wanted to go to law school. Wow. And then you went off to law school and you got your degree in law. Um, And then what are you doing messing around with John Maxwell? (laughs) So. Again, another transition. I, I, I've practiced law since 2001, um, have enjoyed it, have, have had a few transitions within law with the different types of law that I've practiced. But a, a few years back in, in 2007, gosh, I mean, we're almost a decade out now. In, in 2007, I was in a car accident, a, a, a really big, tragic car accident. And, and my recovery process through that accident really included me starting to focus more on what is my big goal in my life? What do I want out of life? You know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm living my second life now. Um, I shouldn't be alive. I don't want to waste this second life. Mm -hmm. And that's really what started that transition from I'm a lawyer to the John Maxwell team speaker, trainer and coach, because at that time, what I was doing for free and loved doing was doing leadership seminars for college students. And Mm -hmm. It was something I was already doing. I loved doing. I still do to this day. But but that's what started getting me closer and closer to, all right, wh- where is it that you really want to go? Where Where is the legacy going to be left? And that's what led me towards John Maxwell. He's the guru in leadership training and development. And so it was a natural fit for me. And what are some of the, uh, for people who are unfamiliar with John Maxwell, maybe give just a quick soundbite of who he is, and then maybe if you could kind of go into what does that certification in his program mean? Yeah. So, so again, I, I, John Maxwell is the leadership guru. He's written more books on leadership than anybody. I mean, he's even won awards that I didn't know existed. <laughs> not not right. even the big awards, but I mean, he's, he won some sort of like Amazon Hall of Fame type of award because he sold so many books on leadership. And, you know, his concept of leadership really boils down to one big statement, and that is leadership is influence, nothing less, nothing more. Mm. And that really does boil down what he believes about leadership, what I believe about leadership. And when you look at leadership that way, you start to understand that leadership plays into all aspects of our life. 
It's, it's not just at work. It's not just in an organization. If you have a family, I mean, you, you need leadership skills to run your family the way you want it to run. And again, that comes back down to influence. If you've got influence over people, then, then you're going to be able to lead them and they're going to want to be led by you. And so that's the kind of what encompasses a lot of his teachings. There are all types of different um, laws that he puts into place. And, and I think the other big thing about John Maxwell, when you ask him about what he wants to do and, and what his legacy is, and, and, it, and it again boils down to a, a statement where he just wants to add value to people. Mm. And I think that speaks to um, who he is and, and what he's doing. Now, you also asked about the certification with the John Maxwell team. Well, um, about five years back, they, they just had their anniversary. He started the John Maxwell team, and that's really his push for his legacy, where he, he decided, and, and, he, and the story goes that he really said no to this many, many times before he gave in, and, and finally gave in, and I'm, I'm really glad he did, where he said, okay, I will train and certify a team of people that can go out and train other leaders, you know, basically spread my gospel. Right, <laughs> right, right. Boils right. Down to, and, and train people the way that I think leaders should be trained. And, and, it's, and it's so powerful, Angus. When I went into the certification program, you know, I'll be honest with you. I went into it because I wanted to grow my business. I wanted to be able to grow a business training people to become leaders. But very quickly I realized that this certification program is, a, is about personal development. You know, the only way that I'm going to be able to lead people and to lead as many people as possible is that I've got to become a better leader. Mm-hmm. And, and so a, a lot of that process is, is the people throughout the program becoming better leaders, getting better leadership skills, understanding that you are a lifetime learner and developing skills throughout your whole life as a leader, and then teaching those others that you come in contact those skills as well. So what are some of the principles of the leadership that you teach? Um, there are a ton. So I'll just try to I know to I just opened up a few, whole can of worms. That, oh, man. And, and, and I get so excited when I start talking about this stuff. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll just touch on maybe two or three. And so one of the, the first laws, it's actually the second one in, in, in the main book that I use, um, for like the free mastermind classes that I do is, is the law of influence. And I just talked about that. The fact that leadership is influence. Um, and the first law in the book is the law of the lid. And, and that talks about the fact that we all have a lid on our leadership ability. And if you want to lead people, you're only going to lead people up to where your lid is. And so if we have a scale of one to 10, if your lid is at a seven, then, then you're going to lead sixes through zeros. You're not going to lead eight, nines, and tens because their lid's higher than yours. Mm-hmm. And so the only way you grow your influence is by raising your lid, is by continuing to develop and continuing to, to, to get better and to, and to be a better leader and to raise that lid to where you're a seven, an eight, or nine, a ten. And, and, then, and, and so that helps us understand the importance of our own self-development. And then one of the other... Two, I said two to three. I'm going to give you three to four. Sorry. Two, two, of my, <laughs> two of my favorite laws in that book, and the book is 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Two of my favorite laws in that book are, one, the law of process. And that talks about us needing to have a process, a system, daily steps and habits that we put into place each day 
And, and those incremental steps are what lead us ultimately to those big, gigantic goals that we want. So I love that one. And then another one that I love because we don't like to think about it a lot is that he's got something called the law of sacrifice. Mm. And the law of sacrifice really just say that, you know, you've got to give up in order to go up. And we, we all have a choice to make, right? We make choices every day and, and we make choices to give up things every day. But, but if you're intentional about what you're giving up in order to get what you really want, right? I, I don't believe that you can have every single thing you want. I know that's a, a nice little saying that we'll put on a meme. You can have anything you want, but I do believe that you can have everything that you really, really want. But you got to give some stuff up for that. And, and mm. now we're in Olympic season. They're great examples of that of that law. Right. These are people who want that gold medal. And when they get that gold or silver or bronze, that is a goal they're going to celebrate. They've, they've reached a big, gigantic goal. But look, they gave up a lot of partying. They gave up a lot of eating what I like to eat. <laughs> right, right. They don't they don't get to do those things. And so you get to choose what you lose. And, and so that's what the law of sacrifice is about, is understanding you've got to sacrifice. And, and the bigger leader you become, honestly, the more you've got to sacrifice in order to make sure you're serving the people that are following you. And one of the other things that you're really, I don't know, fascinated with or, or really kind of sunk in your, your gift is around goal setting. Can you share? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've heard that as the cliche. Of course, we all want to set goals, but what does that really look like day to day? Yeah, so I've got something that I call the MAP system, M-A-P-P. And that's what I, that's what I teach people about when I'm talking about goals. And before I jump into that, I just want to make clear, like my podcast is called Live the Goals. And that's because it is really important to me that we don't live kind of for our goals, but that we live the goals. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we'll wait, like I'll have fun. I'll, I'll be a success when, you know, when I finally get there or you just don't really live your life and appreciate what you have now. And so, you know, part of live the goals is that you're enjoying life and the journey along the way. You're, you're enjoying the growth process. You're learning the ups and downs as you're going towards those goals. Now, my map method is just really four letters. M-A-P-P is mindset, action, planning. And then the last P, I didn't want five, three P's. So the last P is kind of like purpose and passion. And and so that's kind of the big overarching theme to all of it. You know, having the right mindset, taking action, having a plan that you can take action on, and then making sure that all of this is is grounded in your purpose and, and, and your plan for your life, your, your, your passion and your purpose. And can I say again, it was mindset, action, plan, and then purpose and passion? Yeah, okay, right. Cool. And so that's the, that's the bigger picture of it. Now, you asked me how, what it looks like on a day-to-day um, level. And, and, and that's where the, the planning and the action part of this come into, into play. Now, I, I believe very much in, in having routines and in visualizing. So for example, part of my plan is to make sure that I do my daily routine on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some days I'm great at it. And every once and sometimes I, I don't, you know, some days times I get up a little late and I jump into my day and, and then I, I try to correct that the next day. And so it's having a plan of how I'm going to start my day. And, and, and what I've included in my plan are things that put me in the right mindset. 
And mm-hmm. so I've got different mantras. I've, I've got um, I've got my goals. I've got my success statement. I've got different things that I read out loud to myself every day to get myself on the right track, to get myself in the right mindset and to make sure I don't forget what that big purpose and passion is. All of that's done early in the morning. I, I, I do that. I try to exercise some and get my blood flowing and, and I visualize where I'm going to end up. So I visualize the end goal. You know, if, if for instance, I'll just make up a, a silly one right now off, off the cuff. If my goal is to visit Nashville in the next month. As then, you should. <laughs> right. And honestly, I, Nashville just keeps popping up. So that's that's a sign Come maybe on. that I really do need to do that. Um, but but if that's my goal, then I'm going to visualize myself in Nashville having a great time. Right. I mean, that's part of my process. And so so that plan and that action is is just having a plan of what I'm doing each day. And it, it can even get as small as having my to do list each day and 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 marking those things off the list. Another thing on kind of a granular day-to-day or week-to-week basis that I do is that I'll look at my schedule or and I'll reevaluate the, the week I just had and I'll say, all right, here's what I say matters to me. Here's what I say is really important in my life. What percentage of my week last week was devoted to those things? And sometimes I'm right on task and I say, hey, 80% was devoted to these things that I said were very important to me right on Dale. And other weeks I'll look back and said, I didn't do any of that stuff. Right, right. Right? I, I say my friends and family are important to me. I didn't spend any time with them. I'd spent all my time in my office working. So I need to make sure next week's not like that. And so there's a continual evaluation of where I am and, and, and a continual evaluation of what's important to me and making sure my life reflects those things. That's fantastic. So I want to dive into something else, um, you know, with, with leadership as a whole. And, and thank you so much for sharing all this. I'm sitting here taking notes uh, in my journal here. <laughs> my moleskin. <laughs> that um, is awesome. I, I love learning. So I, I really appreciate you being here and, and offering some nuggets like that. So I want to talk about, um, you know, that leadership in context of what we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at the political process in America. We're looking at um, the police force and what they're contending with right now across America. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the racial divide and who's going to stand up to lead for the right reasons and the right motives. Um, what would you say about leadership today in, and, and I'm sorry if you're not in the United States for my listeners, I know that you're globally, but I, I, I know that it's really a hot topic right now. So what would you say specifically what we're experiencing here today around leadership? Yeah. So, you know, quite a bit really. And and I'm going to try to boil this down to some of my thoughts as well as some thoughts I heard from some other people in the last week or so. And, you know, I'll I'll go back to John Maxwell. One one of the laws I didn't mention, it, it talks about adding value to people. But underneath that law, he talks about the fact that in order to add value to people, you have to value people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and I think that's at the crux of, of what's going on here. Right. We, we have to value each other all as human beings. Now, Angus, I, I happen to be a Christian. Um, I've got friends of all faiths. And, but as a Christian, I personally believe that. It doesn't matter who you are or what your beliefs are. My call is to love you and to value you. And, and, and I could completely disagree with what you're doing. I can completely d- disagree with what you believe. 
my call is not to judge you on that. My call as a Christian is to love you regardless, because I believe that God loves me and loves you too. And so, right. yeah, so, so, so that's one. And that, that's about valuing people. Another thing that, that came up this week is that the further away we are from something, you know, the easier it looks to solve whatever that problem is or, or, or the less complex that situation seems. And so that brings a couple things into play here. You know, what that means is I'm not a police officer. And so it's way more difficult for me to understand the intricacies of what a police officer is going through and what their day to day, minute to minute life is. And so to me, it seems really easy to say, hey, just stop shooting black people. <laughs> right, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it's, it, it seems like a pretty easy thing to yeah. say and do. But the closer and closer you get to that, you understand that it's, it's, it's more complexities to that. And then, you, you know, as, as a white gentleman, it's harder. You're further and further away from the experience of growing up as a black gentleman. And so or a black and so, Korean gentleman. Or exactly, <laughs> or as as it's popular to say now, ablation. Ablation. <laughs> my my yeah. wife, uh, her dad is Haitian, and her uh-huh. mom is Filipino. So um, I call her my Filipation. <laughs> we we got, we got these nice little meshed words now. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you know, it's understandable that someone who grew up white would not have the same experience as someone who grew up black. And so to someone who's white, it looks like a very simple answer because, again, you're further away from that day-to-day experience. And so it's like, hey, just listen to the cops and you won't get shot. And, and, and so, you know, what, what has to happen, what really does have to happen is that we have to get closer and closer so that we're not further away. And, and, and the closer we get to people, the more we spend time and, and are curious about their life, about their experiences, because we want to understand it, not because I'm trying to build up my argument against you. Mm. The more we do that, the more we start to understand the complexities from both sides and the more we start to maybe get to solutions. And, and what I've learned throughout the course of life is that the more I get to know somebody and what they've been through in their life, the more I start to appreciate who they are mm. and the differences start to fade away a little bit because Angus, there's not one of us in on this world that doesn't have some difficulty, mm-hmm. that hasn't faced some obstacle. And, and, and the more we learn about those obstacles and the more we learn about what people have been through, really it draws out our humanity and we start to draw closer to those people. And, and now we want to find solutions because now I'm trying to help my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm not just helping somebody that's generically over there, some caricature of, of some person. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody who's my friend. And, and these are really complex situations. And so when leaders kind of go out in and take one simple stance and kind of make it so that it's a really, really simple thing, um, it, it worries me because I know that none of these issues are, are, are cut and dry. None of them are, are really simple. Um, there are some steps we can take, that might be simple, but but the the whole problem is generally a very complex issue. For you growing up, um, and I assume did you grow up in the South? I grew up in Virginia, so we're right. It depends on where you are. We're it, technically it, in the South, yep, but yep. if you're in the South, they tell us we're from the North. <laughs> I compl- I was uh, totally going to go there. I said if you're in Virginia, it depends on who you talk to because some of them, poli- yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. So when you move to Atlanta, you're in the South, right? Um, I spent eight years, nine years in 
Huntsville, Alabama. And because race is a big part of my family and Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, white bread America and I'm married to a woman who's Philip Haitian, (laughs) I remember growing up and my dad from South Texas who had a black nanny and, you know, grew up with all of those racial tensions in his hometown. Like they just Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, meld black and white. And even worse was black and Latino in South Mm -hmm. Texas where he lived. And so he always grew around those tensions. And when we were in school, I remember my dad telling me, and this is probably the early eighties, early to mid eighties. My dad said, you know, whatever you do, don't bring home a black woman Mm -hmm. because you're not doing either of you any favors. Mm -hmm. And I, now today, being married to one, um, my dad has a very different viewpoint. You know, he's yeah. grown and he's developed. And, and um, you said you're a Christian. My, my dad actually was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, w- towards the end of my high school, um, he became a believer and then he went into ministry, um, which is a really interesting uh, trajectory. And I watched him transform, you know, through the years and really soften his stance on some of the ways that he saw race and, and interaction. Mm. And, and then of course now he shows off pictures to his friends, you know, yeah. with these mixed babies. Yeah. So we've tried to raise our kids with an understanding. Now, obviously I diluted them. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately they have lighter skin because I, I screwed it up. But the essence that we're trying to raise our kids to understand is how to understand, mm. how to ask questions, mm-hmm. how to engage. And we have conversations with a six and seven year old. And then my oldest daughter, um, her father was Latino. So we've got like the whole, you know, rainbow going on here. Yeah. I love it. For you, right? Right? And (laughs) for you growing up, you said, and I caught this, you had an opportunity to go to school in engineering at a school that gave you an opportunity because they were looking for people who were of a different race, right? How has that played into some of the advantages or some of the struggle that you yourself have lived along the way? Yeah, and so... A few things here, right? One, this past Sunday, um, our, our pastor had addressed what's been going on. And, and, and I just kind of want to start with this because it, it, it piggybacks off of what I was just saying and kind of transitions to where, where I'm going. And he had, um, my pastor is Andy Stanley and, um, he's a, he's a white man and he had two black, um, men from the church on the stage and they were talking about the experience. So he asked them, you know, had, did, when you grew up, did you have the talk? Did your parents give you the talk about interaction with, with police? And then both of those gentlemen described what the talk was, which was similar to the talk that I got. And so, I mean, you get a lot of instruction about uh, make sure you follow all the directions, no sudden movements, so forth. It's always do what they say. We'll figure it out afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so that's, you know, the ballpark of the talk. And then just to draw a, a, a clear distinction and difference between experiences. Um, our pastor said, Hey, w- with my children, my talk to them was if you ever get pulled over by the cops, make sure you pull off of the road and out of traffic. And that's it. That mm. was the only, that's the only thing he said. And, and he, he basically said that just to help us understand that our experiences can be very, very different. 
And so as I grow up, I, I absolutely was um, aware of, of different things that were happening to me because of my skin color. Right. And and so that that made me aware that there are certain advantages and disadvantages based off of how you look. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I, I, I dealt with a lot of those disadvantages growing up, um, whether it was race or socioeconomic. And then when you go to school, um, let, let's assume whether whether right or wrong. Um, I, I did really well in high school. I had great grades, great SAT scores. But let's just assume for argument that I got in off um, off of some sort of diversity program or something like that. Right. Um, where that part of the argument seems to fail for me and I think was frustrating for other students of color is that it discounts the fact that if you if you aren't qualified and you got in, then you're not going to stay there. You, you won't make it through. Right. And so t- to assume that I'm here because of a diversity program, um, um, let's let's me get that one. You, you don't necessarily get the whole picture. Um, it discounts all the other people that get into schools um, for other reasons, whether it's because you're an athlete and you're bringing money to the school or you're a legacy and your father happens to have a building named after him at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it discounts a lot of other people that gets in and zeroes in on, on one group of people. And um, I'll, I'll just point out like one experience even in college when I started. I transferred in college, but my first college that I started at, um, I was uh, – in some of the classes, I was the only black student in that class. I mean, there would be others where there were a few of us in the smaller classes. Mm-hmm. And, and so in my engineering fundamentals class, I remember that for several weeks, students being really confused. I could see them like looking around, trying to figure out when we got the test back, like who is the person that is messing up the curve? And so, <laughs> and so they would ask their friends and I just kind of stayed quiet and, and just did my thing. And then eventually someone asked me and found out that I was the one that was messing up the curve. <laughs> and, and, and so it was, it was interesting because that's the point at which I started getting invited to the study groups, mm. right? Up until then, there was an assumption that it could not have been me. It, it was almost by mistake that they found out it's actually him. <laughs> He's the yeah, one yeah. that's messing up our curve. And, 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 but those people that ended up being in my study group, we ended up being great friends. And, and so that's two sides of the coins, right? We, we may have some assumptions that hold us back, but then when we open up and get to know people, right, we, we start to build those friendships again. And so I'm hoping I answered your question about the experience of, of getting into college. You know, you've, you've got all sorts of sides, there advantages, disadvantages, but, um, but at but at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm a I'm really big Angus on us kind of controlling what we can control and controlling our experiences and, and or how we react to our experiences. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to let other people's um, small mindedness or, or 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 inability to to grasp certain concepts to hinder who I actually am. Mm. And um, and then just kind of just round this up. I love the story about your father about him growing and, and, and transitioning over time. And, and I just, um, I'm, I'm only going to jump on the soapbox for one quick second. You know, I, I just am nervous about the culture that we're in now where we crucify people for making mistakes and we crucify people for not knowing better. 
Um, some people grow up in an environment where they don't know better. Yes, I get that you, they maybe should know better, but but let's use those opportunities as as teachable moments and, and rather than crucify somebody. Anytime somebody makes a mistake now, I mean, they get crucified in social media and it makes it hard for those people to be able to learn and evolve and grow. And I've never known um, me, at least, to be able to change someone's mind by screaming at them and telling them how wrong they are. <laughs> that's oh, never worked for me. <laughs> so, I, I got a little emotional, man. That That's beautiful because, you know, I look down at my past and you and I have talked about my past. And mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, there are reasons why people have written me off. Right. I hurt people, but I was given second chances by others. Mm-hmm. Every one of us at the end of the day wants to know that we get a second chance. Wow. And who are we not to give others a second chance? I love that. Yeah. Dale, um, as we bring this into a close, um, mm-hmm. from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sharing. I, I know that we talked about some sensitive stuff and, and I appreciate your articulation of your heart and your character. Mm-hmm. what are some final words you would leave with our audience about who you are and what you stand for? Angus, you know, all of us have different life experiences and I'm so happy to have had the life experiences I had good and bad. And I'm really so blessed to have come from a family that is multicultural, to have a Korean mom and an African-American father you know, th- that made me who I am. And, and that ingrained in me early on the understanding that we're all people. And, and and that does not discount, though, that we all have different obstacles and challenges. And so who I am is someone who loves all people, but who tries his best to remain open minded so I can be educated by people and tries his best to empathize with different people's experiences before I have to empathize with them, right? Before I'm put in a situation where I understand, I try to listen to what they're saying they're experiencing and empathize from that point. And and that I think allows me to come to better solutions, to come to better answers, and, and, and really just understand, hopefully, other people's experiences and thereby allowing me to love them more and serve them better. And so I, th- I think that's really about, that's really boils down to who I am, what I'm about, and why I'm so passionate about what I'm doing with John Maxwell team and my podcast. I mean, that really grew out of me wanting to serve people because when I came out of that accident I was in, I was in a bad, bad place, Angus. And, mm-hmm. and if not for other people and in pouring into me and and for other people exposing me to to a higher level of goal setting, um, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I, 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 I get afraid when I start thinking about how low I could have gone. Um, and, and so I want to bring that to people. And, and I'm really just passionate about that. And, and it's because I, I have this inner just love of people. And, and I'm blessed to be able to um, have gained the skill early on to be able to make friends and and talk to people from all different cultures. And that's part of because, you know, it's part of my personal experience growing up and dealing with two cultures um, that I now have gained the skill of dealing with a bunch of different cultures and people with different backgrounds. That's awesome. 
Where can people get a hold of you and follow along with your wisdom? Angus, it is all pretty straightforward. I am at livethegoals.com. That's my website for my podcast and for my training, coaching, and, and speaking. And then everything else is pretty much live the goals. I'm at livethegoals at gmail.com. If you'd like to email me, I'd love to hear from you. My my Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are all at live the goals. And so that that's how you can get in touch with me. And and I'll extend to you the same thing that I extend to my listeners. I do a free mastermind group, um, five-week mastermind group. And um, you can find out more about that. It's on the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. You can find out more about that if you just go to livethegoals.com forward slash free class. And that'll give you more information on what it is and, and how to sign up. Free. I like the free class. People love free. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dale. And as we close out, I just want to read this quote, and I think this kind of puts a nice little exclamation point on it. Nobody has it easy. Everybody has issues. You never know what people are going through. So pause before you start judging, criticizing, or mocking others. Everybody is fighting their own unique war. Thanks so much wow. for joining us today. Thank you, Angus. That was so powerful. I appreciate being here. I really want to thank Dale for his candid and powerful um, sharing with us today. And, you know, along those lines, I want to kind of step back from the microphone a little bit, just into my own head and heart and just share with you some of my experience in all of this. I was raised in Wisconsin and I went to school with maybe three black kids and that was it. Um, now the, we did have a lot of Southeast Asian kids in my school because where I was ended up being a place uh, for refugees from the Vietnam War. So we had a lot of uh, Hmong and Laotian um, and a few Cambodian families that were all in my city. So um, ironically, a lot of uh, my Asian friends taught me how to play soccer and volleyball. Um, and uh, man, they, those kids could jump. They had some, they had some hops. But I didn't have much more interaction than that. It was never something that even crossed my mind. And I guess you could say, you know, now looking back, a case of white privilege. And that whole term used to offend me. And I used to be so defensive. Um, and then I got married to someone who was a person of race. And that issue became topic of discussion where I was a you know, kind of exposed to other ways of seeing the world and other ways of seeing myself. And it took some time for me to recognize that some of the words from my mouth, um, which I thought were harmless, were actually kind of offensive. And furthermore, also not understanding um, the experiences of other people of color, I didn't really get a whole lot of grasp of where they were coming from. And in particular, my wife being not just a person of color, but also a female and working in education and trying to make a success of herself, she had a lot of insight that I just didn't know. I was just naive and I was ignorant. And I learned and I grew. And the more I learned, um, the more I understood that some of the ways I thought things should be or ought to be 
we're simply wrong. And so I come to you in this conversation with a lot of humility and sensitivity to it because I just didn't know myself. And so I bring this to you to say, I really want to see a different world. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a catalyst in what small ways I can in how I raise my children and how I share with my friends and my community. And I want to ask you, is there someone in your life today that you're in challenge with? Maybe you're not necessarily seeing eye to eye. Is there someone you need to work out or something that you need to work out with a person that's close to you? Or are there issues in your community that you yourself can help play a role in addressing? Those are things that I want to kind of encourage you that you may see your role really small in just bringing peace and tranquility to just one relationship. And yet that's a start and we have to start somewhere. And the bigger picture, if you want to volunteer with an organization or help your voice be heard, and I'm not talking about necessarily activism or picketing or yelling and screaming, like we talked about that on the show today. And I love what Dale said is that nobody's changed because they're yelling, being yelled at, but rather seeking to understand, seeking to identify or empathize that's powerful. And you know that this show is called Up In Your Business, so please allow me to kind of get up in yours. If there's somebody you've been judging, whether politically or socially or racially, maybe consider that you might be part of the problem. And instead, do it differently. Seek to bring that understanding. And that's my encouragement for you today. I I don't want to go any deeper than that. I don't know you and your situation. I just know that this is such a pertinent conversation and I just want to play a small part in helping to transition us into better understanding of one another. So I want to encourage you with these words once again that we ended the show with. Nobody has it easy. Everybody has issues. You never know what people are going through, so pause before you start judging, criticizing, or mocking others. Everybody is fighting their own unique war. It's been a pleasure serving you today. If you have questions or want to tell me something, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Angus Nelson. Ask me anything you want or... Let me know what you thought of today's program. If you're looking for links and show notes from this episode, I'll even put in a link to that video to Dale's pastor that was talking. You can find all of that at angusnelson.com forward slash zero four six. I'd also like to encourage you to go to our private Facebook group. Simply type in up in your business private group in your Facebook search bar request entry. I'll make sure you get into the community. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I want to encourage you also go check out Dale's uh, five-week uh, mastermind that's free. You'll find that link there. I forgot to tell you about that. Other than that, go ahead and tell your friends because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else, either by telling them in person or sharing on the web. 
Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com.